and we begin this new sermon series on the body of Christ. Today's text, if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or your Bible apps, is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 14 through 22. This new sermon series entitled The Body of Christ is intended to, to, to help us come to grips with what is endemic or even epidemic in our culture. And it's a misunderstanding of what it means to be the church. And as a result, a missing out on the extravagance, the power the glory that God has in store of setting us apart from the world as his people and his children. In our culture, we are subtly influenced by the values of, of, of uh, thinking called individualism. You've maybe heard about it. Rugged individualism is a hallmark of the founding, even of the culture within our nation. Individualism isn't bad when it's exclusive from community. Because God has made us for community. So we're going to find out in today's message, we're, we're going to see that, that, that the work of Jesus is a bringing us back into community, out of isolation, into community. Instead, in our culture, we approach organizations and, and situations and groups uh, and with the, the thinking, and it's subtle and it comes out, but what is what benefit does this have for me? What, what is this going to do for me? This consumerism that I'm a customer and you have a service to offer me. It's influenced us in every aspect of, of our culture, and it creeps into the body of Christ. But the body of Christ is to be a distinctly separate space that transforms these values and transforms our culture as a result, as we're going to see today. In communion, as we celebrate communion, something is happening here. There's more than just a, 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 a mere sip of a cup of juice and a nibble of a cracker in some intellectual acknowledgement of a historical event. Jesus died. There's something more going on. And it fuses us together and with our King. So in communion, we'll see today, we celebrate and reaffirm our bond to Christ and to each other as his family. If you haven't turned there, go ahead and do so. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 14 through 22. The word of the Lord. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. We all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. 
are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then, that food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons, and, do not, and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake in the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Let's pray for the Spirit's work so we can hear and respond to God's word. Jesus, we ask for you to to open our eyes and our hearts here that we wouldn't just be numb and indifferent, Lord God, as we sit here, Lord, that we would not just be distracted, Lord, but God, that we can hear from your word that, 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 that there is something profound you want to communicate to us, an insight, a pulling back of the curtain to see behind the scenes that there is more when we come to this table. There's a profound working that you are desired to work in us. That we would not dishonor you, therefore, when we participate in communion. But we would let you have your work in us, O God. That we can experience the power and glory to be your witnesses as you desire. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come upon me, your broken servant. In your name we pray. Amen. As we step into this passage, we're, we're showing up right in the middle of uh, like a, a, a TV series, right in the middle of an episode, and we, we're, we're like, what's going on here? What's, what's happening? Context is always important when you're reading God's Word so that we don't misuse it for our own purposes. So I want to draw attention quickly here to the context of what's going on here to make sense of the, the, the verses we're going to focus on in, in, in 16 and 17. So as you hear Paul say in, in verse 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry, flee from idolatry. What, what's he talking about here? Idolatry is this worship of anything else but God. All right. Anything else but God. Now, back in the day, and, and, and across the world, some of this, 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 these physical idols still exist today. In, in religions like Hinduism, you'll have statues and things like that, that that represent gods that people worship. We don't see that as much here in the United States. We have other kinds of gods that we worship that, that, that we give our attention, our affections to, our time to, our emotions. These are things we look to to meet needs in our lives. These are things that we trust on in to give us security in our lives, to give us identity in our lives. So this could be money. This could be the affirmation and approval of others. This could be control. That idol's been tapped in this pandemic for most of us, right? And you know an idol's been addressed in your life or being uh, removed or touched on because you get angry. You get upset. You feel depressed. Your, your emotions are attached to this, this thing because we have given it power in our lives to give us, we believe we're going to get things from it. And so we think we need it idolatry is a problem because it's competition setting something good maybe like our finances like relationships up in the place of god 
He's saying, flee from idolatry. Now, the context here is they actually had physical kinds of, of things representing a different God that, that, that the cultures and the people in their cities were worshiping. And in worshiping these idols, they would have these, these feasts. You know, like we're having a potluck. They would have these feasts as part of celebrating and worshiping these other gods. And the food would be part of that worship experience. How many of you have had those moments with some food and you're like, praise Jesus? right? Seriously, food is part of worship. I don't know if you thought about that, but God, yes, God has intended it to be part of worship. It's a good thing. Now, we can also make it an ultimate thing, right? But, but Paul, the context is, is this question of, well, do you eat food that is being sacrificed to idols? And so Paul's trying to explain, in order to be a witness to others who, who worship other gods and not the true God, if you're invited to their homes and to celebrate with them or, or to, to share in experiences with their hospitality, get to know them so you can share the gospel with them. If they are sharing with you, hey, our food has been, is part of our worship to another God, he's saying, pass that by. Now, the food itself isn't an issue. The food isn't a problem. The idol isn't even an issue because the idol's fake. Like that thing is just a block of wood or, or some gold or, or, or metal or whatever. It, it's nothing. That God is, is nothing. But it's what's going on behind the scenes that you need to know about. You see, these, these idols, the, the things that they're worshiping are actually demons. You need to understand that, that it's not the food that's the problem, but it's the sharing in the worship of a demon. That's the problem. It's the act. You know, you may not be conscientiously or, or, or joining in that worship intentionally, but you need to know that in the act of this worship, this eating for the worship of that idol, you, you are participating. He uses that word, participation. This, is, this word, participation, is what ties this whole section together. And, and, and this is important for us in understanding what's happening here when we come to have communion. The word that they're talking about of participating in this demon is koinonia. Koinonia. Now, some of you who maybe have grown up in the church or uh, have been a part of the church for a while, that, that term's like, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. That means fellowship. This word koinonia is a special word, and, and, and it means sharing in, sharing with, joining together, uniting in, participating with. When there's a coming to these celebrations, there is something spiritual, there's something profound happening of a joining in in the spiritual realm, in a spiritual relationship, when we partake in these meals with worship. And so Paul is saying, refrain. When you are offered food that is part of the worship of another God, refrain because there's something spiritual happening. Even if you don't intellectually participate in that, there's something more happening in that act. When we come to the table here, so he uses the Lord's Supper as a profound illustration 
of this point that, that, that shares things that were common for them to understand then that is new for us today. We celebrate communion and we come and we, and we share here as an evangelical church that the juice is a symbol. It symbolizes the work of Jesus. It doesn't actually become the blood of Jesus. That, that, that Jesus isn't more present here now than he is at other times with us. That the crackers here don't somehow actually become the flesh of Jesus. For which people back in the day would accuse Christians of being cannibals. They're like, you're, they're, eating, they're eating this dude named Jesus. They're like eating his body and they're drinking his blood. Like they're cannibals. They actually, Christians were accused of being cannibals. Because of that misunderstanding. It's, so as evangelicals, we recognize these, these things don't change. As, as Paul was explaining, the food isn't anything, but there's something spiritually happening here in our act of worship. This koinonia, we're uniting ourselves here with something. What does he say? Verse 16 here. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Is it not koinonia with the blood of Christ? Paul is saying the body and blood of Jesus bond us. There's a bonding, like a a welding that's happening here with the body of Christ. So he starts with the blood of Jesus, the, the cup. The cup of blessing. Now, now it's interesting to note, for those of you who like data and facts and information, the cup of blessing is technical language. You see, when Jesus was, was started this, and, and, and that, that night he was betrayed before he died, they were celebrating a feast called the Passover. In the Passover, there's several cups throughout this meal celebrating the work of God on our behalf. And the last cup, the cup that Jesus said, this is the cup of of the new covenant, of my blood. Drink it for the forgiveness of your sins. This cup is called the cup of blessing, the last cup in the Passover celebration. And it's a cup of thanksgiving. The word thanksgiving is Eucharisto. Does that sound familiar? For those of you who have Catholic background or maybe even Lutheran background, you may have heard the term Eucharist. That word merely means thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So at this cup, this cup of blessing that Jesus took, we are to give thanks because he is giving us his blood to wash away our sin, to cover our sin so that we don't don't have to take hell that we deserve. The cup of blessing... that we bless, that we give thanks for, is it not participation in the blood? We are sharing, we're celebrating. When we take the juice, we are sharing in Jesus' blood for us. Think of it like this as a blood transfusion, all right? Where Jesus 
Jesus, his blood that he sheds for us on the cross that forgives us, that that wipes our record clean, that changes and transforms us, that gives us the tangible experience that we're loved and we don't deserve it. This blood is is being given to us. And when we drink, we are receiving it. We're receiving an IV, tapping that vein, and his blood flowing into us of his grace, his mercy. We come to the table to receive his grace and his mercy. It's to pump us up. It's to encourage us. It's to refresh and renew us and remind us that we can't do anything to earn his love, that we keep trying to, to, to make ourselves good enough. We keep trying to make up for all the bad stuff. We keep trying to, to find our identity, to earn it from him. And he says, no, I love you. I died for you. When you were in the midst of your filth and your mess, my blood is my grace given to you freely. You're forgiven. You're free. Receive. Receive. We unite, attaching ourselves if you will, if you can visualize that, we attach ourselves to the blood of Jesus and what it does for us. That's the koinonia. We're sharing in it. We are participating in the reality that his blood produces for us. But he goes on. The bread that we break is it not participation in the body of Christ. And he explains more about what he means here. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. This now participation, this sharing in the bread of Jesus, he calls the body of Christ. Now, once again, he explains, this isn't the physical body of Jesus. You're not sharing in these things becoming the actual flesh of Jesus, and then we we actually would be cannibals, which is just wrong. It is representing that we share in a new family that he's creating. The people of God. You see, Jesus, through his blood, in saving us and bringing us into communion with God, he's bringing us into communion with each other. Oftentimes, we separate the work of God into this this vertical thing, and we show up here on Sundays, and we do this vertical thing. We We worship God, and we keep it individualistic as a result. But when you look at the cross, there's two dimensions, right? It goes two directions. You can't have a cross and it not be vertical and horizontal at the same time. But in our culture, we separate those things. We make this vertical stuff spiritual and this relational stuff, well, that's the result. No, it's not. It is intrinsically part of this very work of Christ's cross itself. At once, when God makes us right with him, he intends to make us right with each other. He creates a new community. A new family, a new civilization. He says, by this, the world will know you are different. You're my disciples. By your what? Love for one another. When we share in the bread, 
You can imagine what they did back then is they had one loaf. And everybody took a piece from it. You can imagine that one loaf. And just think of it. Every piece is like a string. And as they pull it and they go back to wherever they're sitting, everybody is connected. Just like we, we, we see that, that, that IV hooked up to us in our hearts of Jesus' blood coming into us. Then the bread, we are all connected. We are sharing together. There's a bonding that Jesus is having. When we come to this table... He is wanting to work koinonia. We, 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 we cannot come to the table and continue to want to live in our isolation and, 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 and live in this Jesus and me. That is not Christianity. That is not Jesus. When we come to this table, we affirm, we, re, we, re, we receive the work of Jesus and we express, I am part of this family. I'm part of this family. And I'm part of building his kingdom. What has happened as a result of culture coming into our our community of Jesus followers is that we tend to show up wanting to receive something. And we have it seeking an individual experience and I'm going to go home and go my separate ways. That is not Jesus' work. And you will never experience what, what you're hoping to experience. Because you cannot experience Jesus a part of experiencing family. You can't get Jesus and have Jesus and all that he offers you without loving his family and being loved by his family. Now, I'm not talking about holding hands, singing kumbaya. All right? It's not what I'm talking about. If we just stop at that individualistic, I'm just going to come and get mine and go. I'm going to liken it to the illustration of, of, of blood circulation in our body. We stop the circulation of God's work in our lives and our hearts. The way the heart is made to work, everybody, does everybody have a heart here? I mean, some of you, your spouses, your brothers and sisters may wonder, if you have a heart, but you know, you just check, you got a pulse? You got a pulse? You got a heart, okay? That's a fact, in case somebody says you don't have a heart. All right? So with your heart, there's two processes that it has. It, it, the, it receives blood, and it pumps blood. Okay? The, to simplify, overly simplify it, you medical people could call me out for, for being a little bit more complicated that, for that. But, but it very simply, it receives blood, and it pumps it out. When we come to the communion table, there's something spiritual that's supposed to happen for us. We receive blood. We get that transfusion from Jesus. And when we, have, when we get it, we've received his grace, his undeserved love, his pursuit of you and me. We want to give it. There is a pumping of that blood to the body. The whole body, so it can circulate out, and then it comes back in. And it's, and it's a beautiful system of circulation that perpetuates itself, but it requires both the receiving and the pumping out. If you stop the pumping, that blood ain't going to come back through. Your heart, your spiritual life is going to be strangled. Going to be fatigued. 
In fact, I'd go as far as to even question that you are saved. If you don't want to love and be part of the body, then you've not received Jesus. You've missed Jesus. Because you can't have Jesus and not have his bride, as broken and as messy as she is. In order for us to be healthy and experience all that God has for you and I, we receive his grace, and it should cause to pump out into this body. It's special. You see, friends, we're, this here is to be different than out there. This is to be a place of justice. This is to be a place where there's forgiveness. This is to be a place where there's service. Because when we come to the body, what separates what's going on here and now is we're not looking, okay, what can this group and this organization give to me? I paid my dues. Now pastors show up. Or, 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 or people give to me. Or, or I just show up and I expect people to just help me out, or, 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 or serve me. Rather, what's powerful and profound, what changes the dynamic and culture of a church, is everybody comes with, I want to serve. I'm excited to help. I'm excited to give and bless. When everybody comes at that, and as everybody's coming to the table with, man, I've just been given grace. I don't deserve it. It's ridiculous. It's overflowing. I want to give. This place is crazy. It's different. And people want to be part of that. Because they taste it like, that's not like it is out there. It's about how I can get first, and then I'll give. You're right? You know that. We ain't the Elks Club, y'all. And this ain't the YMCA. It's not something that you, 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 t- you pay some dues, and again, you're, you're expecting something in return. No, we've received, and therefore we give. The body of Christ changes us. Because it's been changed by Jesus. The world will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. When we come to this table today, and every time we come, tap that vein, hook it up to the blood of Jesus, receive that grace, and let it pump through you and compel you to send that love out to the body. Because then the world will know we are different. The world has questioned us in this season, in these last couple of years with the pandemic, because we've looked a heck of a lot like them out there and no different. The kind of bitterness and infighting and, 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 and polarizing and, and, and choosing to, to make secondary issues primary issues is because has caused us to look no different than the the rest of the world. And we are to be separate. If there's to be a witness for others to know Jesus, it's through seeing this different and experiencing it. And I want to say, we do a pretty good job, all right? I know I'm coming down hard right now, but y'all, we do a pretty good job. And I think that's one of the special testimonies of why we've continued to grow. Because people experience the love that it's pumping. Now, we still got to work at it, y'all. We can't take this for granted. We got we to intentionally respond to the grace of Jesus and let that blood pump through us into the body. So as we come to the table here, Paul told his disciples, this is significant. As you can hear, there's more going on here than just, this is a symbol. 
that remembering something that happened 2,000 years ago, no, there's something spiritual happening here. And so therefore, he tells the followers of Jesus, you need to examine your heart. You need to honor the Lord when you come to the table. In 1 Corinthians 11, just the next chapter, he says this, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I'm going to invite you to consider these things. A couple things here as we, as we go into now sharing in the communion. What's the condition of your heart? Is your circulation poor? Is it cut off altogether? You're doing a lot of receiving, but you're not letting that grace lead you to give. Lead you to share in and have koinonia, share in life with the family of God. What's the condition of your heart? As we receive the blood, are you receiving the blood of Jesus? Are you sharing in it properly? Are you acknowledging that you are broken, that you're a sinner? You're you're broken with self-centeredness. You're broken with self-reliance. You're broken with self-indulgence, self-medication, insecurity. We're broken with this, this, the eyes are looking at you to define you, your behavior, what you don't have, what you do have, what you haven't done, what you've done. Your eyes are on you. You acknowledge, first off, that you're broken. You have a need and you can't fix it. Do you acknowledge his undeserved love for you? His undeserved pursuit of you? And will you receive his blood? Will you open up that vein and let receive his blood in replacement of your sin? Are you letting that exchange happen? And are you offering, are you repenting? Repent means I'm going to turn the other way. Lord, I'm going to respond to that grace and I'm going to come to you. I'm going to obey. I'm going to follow you. I repent of trying to live in my own power and living for me. Are you receiving his embrace of you? Are you receiving his power in you? That's the blood side of things. Are you uniting yourself then with the body? Are you participating in the body of Christ? Are you showing love to others like Christ has loved you? Is there unforgiveness and bitterness that's in your heart? Is there an absence of serving? Serving others. Serving the body of Christ. Using your time, talent, treasure. Using what God has given you to bless others. Is there an absence of that? Are you putting a quota on that? Oh, I, I, I reached my limit. I'm not going to give any more. Take some time as we go into receiving the body and blood of Jesus to receive this.